Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene, art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And welcome to the Culture Corner. Lots and lots of news and guests to talk to talk about today. And I want to start. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing good. <laughs> We're, uh, you're excited about this. Yes, uh, Megan and Harry. Megan and Harry. We've got to talk about that. Um, wow, such a big story. Um, I have some strong feelings about it. I mean, I I think there is. It's not black or white, and I know that's a, that's a race issue, but there's shades of gray here. I mean, I don't think anyone is 100% right, and no one's 100% wrong. However, I don't... I think the royal family is a bunch of spoiled, stuck-up people with arcane rules and regulations, and I think um, it's probably very tough to be a royal and to live in the palace, especially when you come in, you marry a prince and you're coming in as an American divorcee, da 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 um, So I think she had a tough time. I think Meghan did have a very tough time as royal. I think probably they were not as helpful as they could have been to her. Um, and I think Harry's a little bit sort of odd man out because obviously, you know, William's first in line to the throne after, after Charles. However... I also think that Meghan Markle is a bit spoiled and a, a little bit of a gold digger. And, uh, you know, you marry a prince, you know, you got to know a little bit of what you're getting into. And then this sort of, the sort of feeling there, you know, when, when Harry came in and they were talking about they were cut off from the finances, et cetera. Well, Diana left him $10 million, so they're not starving. They never will be. And she's got a couple million from her, apparently her acting stuff. Um, so I don't, I'm not going to get out the violin for them about money. Um, but I was very disturbed about the, the race thing and uh, whether or not, I've heard conflicting stories that maybe, yes, he was. They offered Archie a title of Duke or Earl or something. I don't know. But whether or not he was offered a title he should have had. But the, but I do believe someone asked about, was concerned about the color of his skin. I have my own opinions about who that is, was. They, they said, specifically to Oprah later, it was not the queen. It was not Philip. It was not the queen's husband. So for me, my bet is on Charles. I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, but that's very disturbing. And um, I think there is perhaps a little bit of racist uh, feeling with the royals. So I feel badly to some degree for uh, Meghan and Harry that she was treated badly. But, you know, I'm not getting out my violin. They're in a mansion in L.A. They just signed huge deals with Spotify and Netflix or whatever the hell it was for millions of dollars. They got the kid. So I'm not getting out my violin for them. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) Well, there's certainly... I think what I like about what you had to say, though, is that there was a lot there's a lot of nuance. And I feel like I personally am very supportive of them. Like, I do want to say that my opinion, Meghan Merkel is a little bit higher just because I feel like she did speak up. But I also want to point out that this isn't the first time someone has spoken up. And that's true. And the fact that this is something that's been known for years. So I don't I think that Meghan Merkel is brave for the circumstance that she's in right now. Agreed. But I also want to point out that we shouldn't be surprised by the things we hear about the royal family's problems because believe it or not, the royal family, when you're that big of a family, you're going to have a lot of problems. Of course. And, and it's about public image too because in every family, 
every family cares about public image. And so I feel so horrible for Meghan Markle that she had to hear that statement about the color of her mm-hmm. son's skin, which is terrible because it's, it's not surprising to me to hear that because it's like, well, you know, that family has always been a little apprehensive about outsiders in general and yeah because there is one person that if anything really did suffer the consequences from the royal family's problems and that was diana spencer of of course of course sorry diana princess of wales i always say diana spencer Mm, because you know i like her name but (laughs) i would say diana spent um diana princess of wales she had an interview back then where she Mm -hmm. talked about how she had concerns about the family i remember that yeah and that interview is still referenced and still talked about. And I feel like maybe the next season of The Crown will bring it up because it's that famous of an interview. This probably will reach that level of notoriety because mm-hmm. people will look at it as that's Diana part two, basically. It's exactly. Like, and yep. Meghan Merkel is beloved by the people because not only is she very <laughs> beautiful, which, you know, we got to point out that Meghan Merkel and Diana were two very beautiful mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. And part of the popularity relates to that, but also because they're approachable in that beauty. Like Diana did not look like, uh, I would say, someone you wouldn't talk to at the store. Like mm-hmm. you go and you can go up to Diana and say, hi, how are you doing? And she's very beautiful, but you never felt like she didn't want to talk to you. Yeah. And Meghan Merkel radiates similar same energy. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for me, this sort of confirms or at least further con further opens up the gate to realize that the royal family isn't somebody you need to a group of people you need to worship you know i feel like we need to think critically about their role in british culture and we also have to think about how just how that family's drama is reflective of our society's problems Mm -hmm. like how we don't accept outsiders like diana Mm -hmm. is a white woman but they still treated her as an outsider and prince charles and her had one of the most messiest divorces Mm -hmm. of the 1990s and it was one of those things where this drama will keep on coming back in some way or another like it came back early last year we were talking about the crown Mm -hmm. and how that whole season had diana as a character and this relives this drama Mm -hmm. for me prince harry talking about this just sort of shows that he's protecting because he talked about how he doesn't want history to repeat itself i and i and i get that and that that was very you know, you can't blame him for worrying about that. No, and I certainly, I and I certainly feel his pain because, like, the fact that Diana died so young, mm-hmm. and there's still all this conspiracy about it. Because I'm sure he's not. I'm not going to bring up the conspiracy theories in too much detail, but if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he's heard them several mm-hmm. times, and that sort of, of that sort of thing gets to you. You know, if like if you're if you're if everyone's telling you that your grandmother is, you know somehow involved Involved, yeah it it will sour up your relationship and i think (laughs) that these (laughs) encounter i think these tense relationships with in within the family and with megan merkel sort of cement and his idea like i gotta protect her Mm -hmm. in a way that no one protected my mother yeah and i really respect him a lot for absolutely absolutely but i also want to say that for me when they were talking about the money situation i am in agreement with you in that I would say to them, don't bring up the money situation. They're doing just fine. You're doing fine with that. I mean, because they were cut off financially, but I'm sure they were aware 
that Diana's money was going to keep them afloat. Yeah. And and they're famous. You know, yeah. famous people will get deals almost right Book away. deals, whatever movie, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. So they're never going to start. I do want to, one thing that I left out, though, the other thing that concerned me a lot was the mental health issue. Yes. And, um, of course, they're, you know, the queen is the people are saying, well, you know, there are different recollections about what happened. I don't know. But I tend to agree, Megan, with Megan, uh, believe her on that, that she asked for help and they said, well, no, that's just not done here. You just suck it up and deal with it. So that's very concerning to me. I've, I've in my life have had issues with depression. So I'm a, ve- I'm a really strong mental health advocate. And that's very disturbing to me. I, I didn't actually I, didn't, I totally forgot about that too yeah. that Meghan Merkel was having some mental health problems and she was told basically no. to suck it up yeah. and for me that uh, it, it, again it relates to Diana because when you see that interview you can tell she went through some stuff yeah. and she had to put up this image and I remember that Funny enough, I'm going to bring up a fictional thing. There was an episode of a TV show called My So-Called Life where a character has a dream sequence with Princess Diana. Mm -hmm. And at first you kind of laugh it off because, oh, it's so 90s. But then that episode predated the divorce and actually had Diana say, you know, it's just so hard being this perfect Mm -hmm. princess. And it's just so much. It's draining on me. Mm -hmm. And when I was looking back at it, because it was in 1995 that this episode came out. I was like, yeah, it is hard to fit that image because even though they're rich, I think people forget that being rich doesn't exclude people from having suffering from real mental issues. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And sometimes to put on an image, it can't go to therapy. And I and I always encourage therapy. And I'm glad you do, too, Bonnie, because the fact is that we have to get people (laughs) therapy because we can't live in a society where people who need help. Or don't have yeah, access to it yeah. or, or discouraged from doing so. So if Meghan Merkel has to leave that family, if they have to leave in order to get this help, that's great for them. And if this interview was meant a cathartic moment for them, that's great. And good. Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, I agree. I mean, and when I, after it was over I, at the minute, minute the interview was over, I have to say I was very, very supportive of them. But then I've seen some things and I uh, hadn't thought about the fact that, you know, they get a lot of money. And uh, so, yeah, so it's a balance. It's about, I mean, I'm glad they're out. I'm glad they left. I think that was better for them and probably better all the way around for everybody. And they're going to be just fine. Now, the relationship, the relationship with the rest of the royals, maybe not. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes um, family relations, you got to let family relationships go or have some distance. Sometimes you just do. And sometimes the, the sad thing is there's this sort of... I almost want to say, like, when they tell, when your family tells you not to create a scene, the sad thing is sometimes you have to create a scene in order to be heard. Mm-hmm. And there would be moments in my own family problems where I have a, I have a pretty stable family for the most part, but we, me and my mother have had issues where she's very protective of her image in mm-hmm. Mexico because she has a lot of family in Mexico. And just to disclose that, like, she cares about how she looks to her family mm-hmm. as, like, the American part of the family Success story yeah. <laughs> you know and it, it could be that too but i don't want to disparage my mother because yeah. i love my mother yeah. but um i've had as a kid had to kind of create moments where like i was really upset and i had to vocalize that and my mom after a while realized you know that's not the image doesn't matter it's about my child's mental health so right and so i want to be optimistic that this is almost an equivalent to that like a child finally saying I've had enough. Right. Can you just let me be? Let yeah. me be an adult and 
actually <laughs> let me make my own decisions or you know this is you're hurting me basically you're yeah. hurting me let me tell you how you're hurting me yeah so i'm hoping that this is a moment like that but it could also just be it could just be another diana where nothing fundamentally changes and that to me with megan merkel being at a distance i feel more sure that it's going to be something that they're going to have to eventually deal with mm-hmm. and the queen is already getting there like mm-hmm. the queen is not that far off in a couple years you can almost hear you could almost guarantee we'll have a new king mm-hmm. in a cup a new um head of the family in a mm-hmm. couple years you mm-hmm. never know mm-hmm. and so this is a time for the queen to really make a decision and actually like be more supportive of her grandchild and also yeah. just overall it's a turning point and they have to see it that way and i don't know i think you're right yeah i want to see it that way but i'm hoping it's not another diana yeah well well and i think the fact that they got out um is gonna gonna uh, prevent that so that's a good thing that's a good thing so all right we'll be back we're gonna be back with we're gonna hear the premiere of the sandra booker uh new single when we come back on the culture corner Listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. And we're back on The Culture Corner, and we're very excited to premiere the brand new single from Sandra Booker called Until We Meet Again.
The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Culture Corner with me right now. I actually brought in Professor Donna Green from College of the Desert. She has been teaching children's literature for nine years there and she's also the uh, professor of children's development courses over there and she's going to come on to talk about how to get your children to read but also but let's first talk about the Dr. Seuss debacle and what it has to say for the greater discourse. How are you doing today professor? I'm well thank you very much. So first question I wanted to ask you was what does the Dr. Seuss controversy say about the greater book discourse on children's literature? Is this harmful or is this a good thing or what are your thoughts on it? So um, that's a great question. And I think overall as adults, we're probably too quick to censor books for children in an attempt to shield them from life's challenges. Um, and yet we'll clutch our pearls when someone else does it. Right. So our opinions, beliefs, morals, and judgments are just that, kind of our own. And I don't think I have a right to impose my beliefs about what your child should or shouldn't read on you. Um, however, it just goes back for quite a ways, right? We, we want to stop children from reading things we think may harm them. But we want to also provide equitable access to children with books. Oddly enough, the most controversial books, if we go back for a few years in 2012 and 13, was not Fifty Shades of Grey, but it was Captain Underpants. <laughs> that that that's tells you a sad. lot. <laughs> that tells yeah. you a lot. Yeah. And why do you think that is, honestly? Like, that's very strange. <laughs> Because well, in Captain Under Underpants, the two protagonists are um, get pretty rowdy. They don't like school, and they're rowdy kids, and parents didn't want their children emulating that. <laughs> That's insane. Hi, hi, Professor Green. This is this is Bonnie. Uh, my my question for you is: Do you think there's 
ever a time or in your career as a professor dealing with children's literature has there ever been a book where that was either uh, banned or stopped publishing whatever that you felt should have been that was that the right decision um for children's books i don't i don't think that we should be banning books of any kind and i think that that should be up to the parents to say whether or not they want their child to read a certain book. You know, and I certainly agree with that. Like, the fact is that I think that in the case of Dr. Seuss, I think it was a situation where parents can go out of their way to buy the book, like, on eBay now, but I think that it's the company's right, definitely, to, like, decide, hey, you know, we don't want to publish this anymore. And I think it's a very complicated situation because some people are saying, like, is this a a ban or is this not a ban and I wanted to ask you like what do you think people are getting right and what are people what are they getting wrong about this whole discussion on Dr. Seuss and the topic of publishing unpublishing versus banning right that's that's another great question and I think what people are confusing is what to me sounds like a very capitalist decision to pull these books and make it public because they wanted to garner that attention and praise. You know, it's funny you bring that and, up. Oh, go ahead, Professor. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I was gonna say that they're, they're confusing that and conflating that with censoring. Right? These books are not being banned. They're not being censored. The estate of Theodore Giesel decided to pull the books because they depict some racist images. And most likely because people weren't buying them anymore. <laughs> if there were a big yep. market for the book, they would have cleaned up those images and re-released them with some real fanfare. You know, it's funny you bring that up because these books, all these Dr. Seuss books got to number one and number two of the Amazon bestseller list. And they're not even the banned books. They're like Cat in the Hat and Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah, the big ones are still, <laughs> there's not a problem with big sellers. Right. And I went to Barnes & Noble the other day because I used to work there and I was in there and I looked at the I went over to the Dr. Seuss section because I'm like, I'm going to prove a point. Let me just see. And if it was gone, most of it was gone. It was sold. And I was like, yeah, I know what happened. And I had heard from other Barnes & Noble employees that people were misinformed that all the books were going away. and So, so they just went bought them all. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's such a – I personally think that this situation – I don't know if you would agree, Professor, but I think the situation wasn't handled very well by the doc by the Theodore Geisel um, enterprise. I think they mishandled it in a way that was very harmful. But but they're not complaining, obviously. But do you think they mishandled this the situation? Um, I don't know. I, I think they put could have just pulled them quietly. I I think honestly, if I were working there, I'd be thrilled right now. They're, they're making a lot of money right now. Exactly. And I think that for me, like when it comes to the money situation, I mean, I think people kind of prove that if you put out a very vague or certain type of statement, I think they're over there like, okay, we didn't sell it. We unpublished some books and managed to sell even more books. So we won in that sense. And, and I think... Right? I think also, and it, human nature is a lot of times when you tell somebody that you can't have something, they want it even more, even <laughs> if they never wanted it in the past. You tell them you can't have it, they're going to go get it because it's just human nature. I, so I think there's part of that too. 
Absolutely, Bonnie, I agree. Now, I wanted to ask you to get to the subject of children's literature as a as a topic itself because I always think that you're because I'm in your course full disclosure and I always appreciate a lot of the stuff that is being discussed so just full disclosure I'm in this course so I can't be we'll see what your grade is later on (laughs) it's a good grade I promise you (laughs) hopefully but I was going to say that now what are some great ways to help a child read during the pandemic it's a very tough time how do we get children to read and enjoy it so well First, public libraries are all still open. You can check books out. You can do it contactless. I, I drive by the Palm Desert Public Library, and there's a librarian sitting in the parking lot. So you can get books into the hands of children for free. Of course, there's wonderful YouTube read-alouds and reading apps. I think the best way, though, to get children reading is the old-fashioned lap read. Sit a child in your lap and read to them. Um, that there's nothing feels better to a child than to sit with an adult who, and share an interest in a story. If they're a bit too big to sit in your lap, then you can sit next to them <laughs> and read to them. Um, for most children, you are obviously a much better and more proficient reader than they are. So you can share that reading experience. I remember when my son was in high school, we read the entire Harry Potter series together. And it was wonderful. We talked about the books, and we very much enjoyed that. So I think just getting books in their hands and choosing books that you know they'll enjoy. You know, that that is certainly the most important thing is to always encourage um, kids to pick the book out and have fun because I think one of the things you talk about in your course is that you just can't grab a book and say, read it to a child. And you, and that type of mindset is, I I guess, would you agree is very detrimental to the child's like reading, force them to read something they might not be interested in. Yeah, no, certainly. And I think that I, I like to coin sometimes that there's a certain reading mental health. Like I always said that if you're in a good, if you're in the reading positive reading mental health would be you're reading books you want to read as mm-hmm. opposed to books you don't want to read. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think it's very important to start off very positively for children, not make it a bad or traumatizing experience, which what I was going to ask you, what are some ways that parents or educators are doing incorrect? Uh, what are some mistakes that they have when it comes to teaching children how to read and how do we rectify them? Like, what are some common mistakes that you see in your field? So, I mean, teaching somebody to read is a huge undertaking. Um, helping Singing the ABCs does not teach a child to read. So the best thing you can do to teach them to read is to read with them and to them. Um, reading, telling stories, singing songs, making literacy part of your everyday world. You know, we're going to go to the store, handing the child a piece of paper and a pencil or a crayon and saying, I want you to make the list. Even if they scribble, <laughs> you're going to say, make, we need apples. Can you put apples on the list? Um, but the, the things we do poorly is making reading a chore mm-hmm. or rewarding them for reading. Extra. 
intrinsic motivation doesn't work. So if you're doing that chart and they check it off and at the end of the chart they get an ice cream or whatever, that doesn't make them want to read. It makes them want an ice cream cone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) That's a good point. You know, it's funny because, like, I remember as uh, in my elementary school years, we would get a free pizza from Domino's if we read like a certain amount of books by the end of the week, right? And mm-hmm. I remember that it was about the pizza. It really was. Like, I mean, I be- it's a good thing I became a reader later on, <laughs> but I will never credit that for it. You know, like for me, reading, it became a thing when I realized I'm just going to grab a book I want to read and love it. And then that's how it was. And just the positive attitudes I've seen in media of books being this cherished and wonderful thing is what got me to read more Mm -hmm. not like these rewards which i don't know like i feel like it it should be fun to begin with that should be the reward you know Uh, and i was going to say professor i would think that one of the best one of the motivators to get children to read is to see their parents enjoy doing it and enjoying it if the parents read and enjoy it that i think that's that gives this kid a sign that hmm, maybe there's something fun about this maybe i should try it too has that been have you seen that too absolutely um children look up to their parents they don't as as we mentioned earlier when i said the captain underpants and <laughs> they're worried about their children acting like those protagonists in the story Children don't do that. They grow up to be like their parents. So if I'm a little girl and I see my mother reading, in the back of my mind, I say that's what grown-up women do. One day I'm going to be a grown-up woman, so I need to get ready by reading. Same with little boys looking at their dads. Mm -hmm. Our parents are our role models. You know, and I certainly... I, I have had that experience where my parents didn't really read books, but they read the newspaper a lot and they read magazines. So for me, like I always that's why I don't disrespect magazines, because magazines, I saw my parents reading them and they enjoyed them. And for me, that I guess subconsciously put that in my mind. Role model, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to say we're out yeah. of time, Professor, and I wanted to say thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview with us. We, we really appreciate You're your perspective. Welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll definitely have to have you on to talk more about the importance of children's literature and any more advice you can give us on how to get our kids to read. Absolutely. All right. We'll, We'll be back with more in the Culture Corner in just a bit. Listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. And we're back on The Culture Corner, and now we want to go into uh, um, part two of our Megan Harry discussion. And this is sort of the fallout with Pierce Morgan and uh, Sharon Osbourne. So I'm going to let Brian kind of tell us what happened. So the interview airs. And everybody has something to say. Like the royal family, well, we've discussed it where they felt that, you know, they were misrepresented and this is a family matter. So, you know, we'll leave it at that. 
But on Good Morning Britain, Piers Morgan, the, I'm going to say, very outspoken, very controversial um, personality, television personality, Mm -hmm. had a lot to say about this. He talked about how he personally felt that Meghan Merkel was a liar and that she, he, and he wasn't sure like what's going on with the situation. There's nothing like racist about what's going on. It's a lie. And she herself is a grifter and all that. So Pierce Morgan said this and on the show, she, he was challenged by a lot of his co-stars. It's mm-hmm. like one of those things where if you're on the air, Pierce Morgan is famous for over talking people, like mm. talking over people. But now when he was challenged on there, he stormed off the set. And he got mad and said, yeah. I've had enough. And he quit Good Morning Britain. Afterwards, Sharon Osbourne on the talk actually defended his actions, saying that, oh, well, I don't agree with everything he said, but it's his opinion. And I support his freedom of speech. And he's my friend. Are you an... And she said, I don't care what color or what religion anyone is. Are you a nice person? That's what I judge you on. And her co-star on there, well co-host i mean said to her what would you say to people who may feel that you, while you're standing by your friend it appears you give validation or safe haven to something that he's that he uttered that is racist even if you don't agree and they had a back and forth and she said educate me tell me what you've heard that is racist and the fact is that like the the whole situation is it's 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 a mess you know in my opinion sounds like it it really is and the fact is that like she went on to apologize for it she gave this pretty strong a pretty i don't know if i would say it's great or bad apology it's just an apology you know she said after some reflection after sitting with your comments and sitting with my heart i would like to address the discussion on the talk past wednesday i have always embraced with so much love and support from the black community and i have deepened respect for the black community to anyone of color that I've offended and to anyone who feels confused or let down what I said, I am truly sorry. And later on, Piers Morgan said that she was bullied into that apology. And he has been very outspoken for a long time about it because Meghan Merkel and Piers Morgan have this history, quote unquote, where they were friends or something. They either were going on a date or they were friends. There's sort of this weird thing where he hints at something mm-hmm. more, but I don't want to... I'm going to acknowledge that he hints at it, but I'm not going to say they dated. Very interesting. And he basically said, I put her on the Uber to the party where she met Harry. And then after she met Harry, they got into a very strong dating um, situation. Obviously, they got married. And he didn't, she didn't have time for peers anymore. No. And okay. she, he said he go, that she ghosted him. And on Good Morning Britain, someone said, you know, she has every right to ghost you. You don't have to cut ties with you. And she has never said anything negative about you. Mm-hmm. And he walked off set basically after that. Enchant- oh, that was it? That's what made him walk off? Yes. The whole like, you know, sh- he goes out of his way to be very critical of her. Mm-hmm. But she's never said anything mean. And and now Meghan Merkel did file a complaint with the UK regulator for the comments on good morning britain and it was very silent like you know there you go like mm-hmm. and she also and um piers morgan demand is now demanding an apology from cbs because he feels they shamed and bullied sharon osborne who is his friend for god's sake and this is a f- this whole reaction to the reaction is a s- new story within itself and it's he's just trying to keep the controversy alive and you know he's one uh, 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 
We're talking about this this morning. There are some people in this world, and it's even worse when they're famous, who are not happy unless they're in the middle of a battle over something. I agree. And it sounds like he just wants to be in the middle of it. But I see, I didn't know what the history was with him. I mean, I had heard that they, he has this very toxic relationship with Meghan, Meghan Markle, but I didn't know why. That's very interesting. And the fact is that there's been a lot of articles, and Page Six put out this article that I actually like. I like the article itself is okay, but I like what was written in the headline Piers Morgan thrives on the uproar over Meghan Merkel. And Absolutely, sounds like it. And it goes exactly what you had to say yeah. because he wants this controversy. And see, the thing about Piers Morgan is that I've seen him on Good Morning Britain and I've tried really hard because people have told me, you know, he's a big old softy if you really watch his stuff. And I every time I watch it, it's like he always is very argumentative and he talks over people. And mm -hmm. look, sometimes I worry if I talk over you, Bonnie, but like he does it for real though. Like yeah. he does it really badly. And to, for me, when someone tells you something like the person you're talking badly about has never said a mean thing about you, that should be a moment to reflect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not, for me personally, it's like, it, it, it's one of those things where like, I think Pierce Morgan has been given too much of a big platform and especially for something like this. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like Good Morning America, you know, they, some people have, uh, Good Morning America itself is a great program, you know, and it, nobody ever says anything badly about anybody on there. So when I hear Good Morning Britain, do that mm -hmm. i'm like how do they get away with having a very negative atmosphere there mm -hmm. and the fact is that you can tell that the next episode that the atmosphere was a little awkward but it, i'm hoping that this is a more positive situation for the network and if if anything maybe help pierce morgan calm down a little bit because it's that's a lot of anger that's a lot of anger oh, yeah. over a friendship yeah. that you know if, if someone wants if a woman wants to ghost a man no matter what it is, I think this is a situation where I have to bring up gender. It's her right to not want to talk to you. That's, guess what? That's life. Happens to everybody from time to time. You know? Get over it. <laughs> and it is what it is. But, Bonnie, you have some things to plug right now. Yeah, I want, just want to say real quick that uh, this Saturday evening, the 13th, uh, my dear friend Charles Herrera will be singing at The Roost over in Cathedral City outside, socially distanced tables, masked, very safe, a singer far away from the audience. And then I have, um, I taped a this program called Sunday Sounds that the Palm Desert Library sponsors every year. It's my fourth year. And I did a fabulous 50s show. We taped with Mark Caney on piano at Frankie's. It will be on the Palm Desert Library YouTube channel uh, starts this Sunday at 2. You can see it this Sunday at 2, and then they will keep running it for a week. It's called The Fabulous 50s, and I'm really proud of that. It's a one-hour show. And it's myself singing and Mark Caney on the piano. So thank you to Palm Desert Library. So, you know, people are finding ways to still get their music out there and their entertainment out there and safe. You just got to be in innovative and creative. Certainly, I agree with that. Like, if you have a show and you got to do... And guess what? If you do it on video, you can do a whole production yeah, and have you, fun with and it. And then you can, people can walk watch it over and over again. And guess what? They'll show up to your live shows yes. when... Yes. When it's over. You keep your face and your name and your voice out there. All right, we're going to come back with much more. Second hour, we've got Robbie Wayne from uh, Desert Rose Playhouse on the second chunk of Culture Corner. Stay with us. 